You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Hello, once again, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Scheist Podcast. I am your host, Nick Scheist, and today I'm joined by absolutely no one as I sit down to talk about the first elimination game in the NBA Finals. I'm liking this new background music. We may just keep it. Uh, Although basketball season's ending... And I'm probably not going to do basketball stuff all next season, so we'll fold it in there whenever we need some alternative music. I am liking this. Uh, Anyway, we're here to talk Game 6 of the NBA Finals. And when I say we, I mean myself and whoever's listening. If that is you, thank you. And let's get into it. Uh, This has been a good series in terms of players on the floor, in terms of coaching, uh, in terms of mostly close games, and in terms of adjustments from both sides. And, you know, I wasn't going to sit down and do this, uh, but somebody told me I should do more solo podcasts, so here I am. And if you follow me on Twitter at Nick Scheisty, S-H-E-I-S-T-Y, you will know that I have been doing a lot of posts on this NBA Finals, both during the games and before the games, and before the games, at least starting after Game 2 when it was 1-1, I started posting uh, adjustment threads for the, the prior losing team, like what did that team have to do to adjust to win the next game? And in game three, uh, Boston made all the correct adjustments and won that game. And then in game four, Golden State then readjusted and made all the correct adjustments and won that game. And in game five, Boston still had not corrected uh, the mistakes and adjusted to what Golden State was doing in game four. And it took until about halftime to really start to find that rhythm and they laid it all out there in the third quarter of that fifth game and they were able to you know overcome a a sizable deficit in that quarter and win the first quarter the first third quarter of the series that uh golden state has typically been dominating um but at the end of the quarter Jordan Poole hits that buzzer beater three and all that momentum just gets sucked away. So all that hard work, you know, it's kind of a backbreaker for them. And then the fourth quarter wasn't um, as friendly. So I still didn't see down the stretch in the fourth quarter, Boston really playing the necessary kind of basketball to combat what Golden State has switched uh, to be able to do. So I'm going to start by going into... I guess the adjustments that I want to see out of Boston in order for them to uh, have a chance to win the game. And we saw a little bit of Tatum finally playing better. Uh, He played his best game of the finals in game five, and they still ended up losing by 10. And the fourth quarter kind of just like got away from them really quick. Uh, A call here, a no call there, 
just the fuse was lit and uh, mentally it seemed like Boston just kind of gave up at that point. Um, I don't know if that's the truth, but it just that's what it looked like. It was nice to see at least Tatum start to establish himself a little bit uh, more as the best player on the Celtics. And this whole series, I've looked at this series and I said that this guy is not the best player on the team. He's not the superstar that he's been made out to be until this point. And if I'm picking the best player on the Celtics, I would give it to Jalen Brown because he's the guy that has been uh, working the hardest play in, play out. Like when he gets the ball, he knows what he wants to do. He's going to go attack for the most part. He's had the better uh, shooting percentage in the series. You know, they're both not shooting great, but uh, he's had the better overall shooting percentage. He's better at the free throw line. Um, they're, you know, mostly the same uh, with rebounds, but the big difference, what I've seen this series is the Celtics offense struggles a lot when Tatum's not on the floor because Marcus Smart is not a true point guard in the sense that like he doesn't run the system. Like he plays defense, he plays hard, he'll knock down an open shot, and if he gets into the paint, he's definitely capable of um, knocking down a little layup or one-hander, or, you know, posting up Steph Curry and having some decent success there. But for the most part, when Tatum is not on the floor, they struggle to kind of initiate the offense because Golden State recognizes Tatum being a threat and they start to kind of like shade the defense toward him and he'll recognize that and um, he'll start to bait the, the help defense so that he can kick the ball out to a shooter. And when Boston is hot and they start knocking down those shots, they're obviously capable of uh, hanging in the game and even winning and even dominating at some points. Um, but ultimately, Tatum without the ball in his hands uh, and guys like Smart and Al Horford and even Jalen Brown like shooting threes uh, in order to win the series, like that's a win for Golden State. Uh, and their defense is designed to produce those results. And you saw it the other night where you think the Celtics missed uh, like 10, 12 in a row before hitting eight or nine in a row to get back in the game. But like, that's not a consistent shot for them. That's not their offense. So in terms of the kind of adjustments I want to see, the first thing I want to say is leadership from Jason Tatum. Uh, and I don't mean just you know, having a better shooting night, scoring more points, more assists. Like, he's got to lead the charge defensively for this team. Because as we've seen, like, whether or not he uh, has an awful shooting night and doesn't break double digits, uh, or I, I think he's broken double digits in every game, to be fair. But whether or not he has a, I guess, what's considered a good night for him with 27, uh, or a poor night where he's got 12, regardless of either of those scenarios like they can lose in both of those scenarios so he has to be their best defender i mean he's six eight six nine huge wingspan i saw a little bit in game three he started picking up uh curry in the third quarter and like to me i'm like okay this is the mentality of the best player wanting to eliminate the other best player's offense and so i'm like okay this is a really good sign and 
then in the fourth quarter when he got called for that travel, uh, which he did travel before he got fouled, like, you know, the, the Jason Tatum that whines to the refs on every single play, that's not good for your team's mentality. Uh, it's not good in terms of leadership. So what I want to see is forget that. Forget all that. I don't want to see him complain to the referees a single time. Like, they're on the verge of getting eliminated and losing the NBA Finals. Don't look at the refs to help you. Just go out there and play basketball. Like, you've been playing basketball your whole life. You're supposedly a superstar. You're supposedly the best team, uh, the best player on your team. You need to go out there and play like it. And that starts with just putting your head down and working. And if you don't believe me, look what Andrew Wiggins' game has done for Golden State. I have not seen Andrew Wiggins whine to the refs once. And he goes out there and he just puts his head down. He plays hard. He does his job. And that mentality allows everybody else on Golden State to play their style of basketball. It's like it, it's a reminder that forget about every forget about all the distractions. Just go play basketball. And the bigger detriment is that like if you're in a situation where the play is still live and you're stopping and complaining to the referee, then your team's getting beat back the other direction on the turnovers. And beyond that, Jason Tatum leads the NBA playoffs in turnovers and he leads the finals in turnovers and he uh is averaging I think like four turnovers a game throughout the playoffs and in these finals it's just under four but you look at him smart and brown they're all turning the ball over a lot and they've done it throughout the entire playoffs I think Tatum and Brown were number one and two uh heading into this series averaging four and three a game but when your three best players are turning the ball over that much i mean that's what 10 turnovers a game just between the three of them that's a lot to overcome and when you're playing a team like golden state who will take a layup who will take it to the paint who will hit a mid-range shot you can't really give them uh free possessions so the second thing they have to do is take care of the basketball. I know it seems uh, simple, but Golden State is a team that turns the ball over themselves quite a lot. And the fact that Boston is turning the ball over more than they are is just bad for business. So first two things, Tatum needs to lead by example, lead by defensive example uh, more specifically. The points will come to him. He can get his shots. Uh, He's big, like he can create his shot when need be, and he just needs to do what he's doing, but no more complaining, work hard, that's it. Uh, and then that second thing I wanna see is, yeah, be more responsible with the basketball, and that starts with him too. Um, and then, you know, I was thinking about it the other day, and so much was made of Draymond Green getting pulled in the fourth quarter of game four, uh, and, I'll get to that in a minute, but I think Udoka has to be willing to make a change to their lineup, and I think they need to find a way to get Al Horford more involved in the kind of team that they want to be, and I wouldn't even be opposed to splitting him and uh, Williams up. Because right now, like the offense that they're running is 
either Jalen Brown attacks and gets to the rim and uh, Robert Williams will clean up a miss and maybe dunk it or rebound and kick it back out and they'll shoot a three. But it's like you stick Al Horford in the corner and you're like, all right, just, you know, sit over there and hopefully knock down a three when it gets there. And yeah, well, he's totally capable of doing it, which he has shown. It's just Al Horford's way too good of a player, way too versatile of a player to be relegated to that role offensively. Um, and he's going to have a size mismatch on basically everybody that's defending him. And you need to maybe put him at the five. You know, let him come out with uh, the bench team, put him out there with Derek White and Grant Williams and Tice and maybe Naismith and, uh, and maybe Pritchard, uh, whatever. But run him out there, I think, with a different group. Like, at this point, you have nothing to lose. What's, what you're currently doing isn't working. And... I think Horford's a good enough like positional defender. Like he gets blocks, he he understands uh, team defense, uh, he plays hard. So, I mean, he's almost leading the team in uh, defensive rebounds. He's got more than Robert Williams. So, what does that tell you? Uh, he just isn't uh, the blocks leader. So, I think if you stick him in at the five and you go with Tice at the four, and then you run a little different look on the second team, that may open some things up for them. Uh, and then it allows them to maybe go to a little bit smaller lineup when Golden State is playing small and have a counter for that. Uh, aside from that, like, you know, those are the three adjustments that I'm looking at, like, right off the top. And the ones that I, they haven't adjusted yet to what they want to do when Draymond Green is the primary distributor for Golden State's offense. Um, you know, after game two, I said that the game plan moving forward has to be dedicating as much resources as possible to stopping uh, Steph Curry. And now Golden State, it worked in game three, by the way. Like, they made that the focus. They took him away. They won that game. And then in game four, I was like, all right, you need to give the ball to Draymond to initiate the offensive sets. They did that, and uh, they haven't looked back since. Um, so now... It, it's counterpunch time. So who do you want to put uh, defensively out there to deal with Draymond? That's where I think, you know, that thing I mentioned about Al Horford. Uh, Williams is a more uh, athletic big than Horford. But in terms of uh, positional defense and understanding, like, team rotations and everything, I think Horford's capable. And when they want to go small with Draymond at the five, uh, I think that's perfectly reasonable to defend with Horford there. Plus, he gives you a little bit more wrinkles to his game uh, offensively, where Williams is basically just going to dunk. Um, Horford can knock down a mid-range shot. He can hit a three. He can go to the post and score. So I think when the, the matchups call for it, that is uh, something that Boston should look at. Uh, in terms of what they want to do with Curry. Like, now that Draymond has the ball in his hands, at least, I'd say 40-50% of the time, uh, the kind of the high screen game they want to run with Steph that was working a lot uh, when they lost game three, they started uh, having to run, like, double screens to get him open. So Boston was definitely aware of what Golden State wanted to do. And... Golden State was like a one-trick pony at that point, um, but they've gotten away from that. They're playing team basketball, so Boston has to find a way to I mean, put the genie back in the bottle, so to speak. Um, Golden State's a lot more dangerous as a well-rounded team 
than they are as a star-centric team, and that's actually why they became a dynasty in the first place is that they played good team basketball and yes they have Steph Curry and yes they have Klay Thompson and these guys are stars and they can score but them being able to score at multiple positions and defend at multiple positions is really why they win so how do you put them back in the bottle so to speak that's tough I don't know that I have the answer to that at this point it seems like Golden State has Boston's number um, so it's going to be really hard for Boston to adjust, but smart picking up Curry closer to half court, whether or not he has the ball is a good thing that they can do because you're just going to like deny that. Right. And then smart just can't ball watch. Like what, if he's going to guard Curry and that's going to be his man, like he's just got to run through every, you know, off screen and he's just got to work hard to get there regardless, like make golden state have to. Uh, pass the ball through some tight windows in order to get the ball to the spots that they're looking to get it to and just force them to work. Force them to work as hard as you can. Um, when Clay Thompson uh, is going to be the guy who's looking to get the ball, they probably want to pressure him more too. So depending on who's on the floor, you know, I think Tatum can pick that matchup up. If you're going to go smart on Curry, Tatum on uh, Thompson, and then put Brown on Draymond, I guess. You can at least force Clay, who's looked fairly uncomfortable, like putting the ball on the ground, force him to put the ball on the ground or just take away his uh, his space. So it's going to be set with uh, defensive intensity in those moments. But Boston can't just like jog back into their half court set and let golden state set up like golden state is too good and too experienced to just give them those kind of free looks so one other thing that boston can probably do is pressure higher in the half court set and it's it's shown some effectiveness so far uh and if they can let's say they can take away uh, just the comfort range of Curry being able to catch and shoot off of a off-ball screen and take away Thompson's ability to second-guess a contested shot. Uh, if Tatum's close enough to him, it's going to be really difficult uh, for Clay to go ahead and make a secondary decision off of the shot fake because he's, he's not moving as well as you would hope. And his shooting percentage is not good, so... He's not really, uh, you know, shooting the lights out or anything. His three-point percentage is solid, but it's about as good as his overall field goal percentage. Uh, they're both, like, just, you know, 36 and 38, so we'll just call it a wash. But I wouldn't say Clay is really the, the, the scoring threat that he has been in the past for them, and that's where Wiggins is picking up the slack. And I don't know that Boston has an answer for Wiggins when they're all on the floor together because... You know, somebody maybe so maybe you put Jalen Brown on Wiggins, right? And then you leave uh, Horford on Draymond and Williams on Looney, assuming that that's the lineup. But if you go with Porter, that puts another shooter out there and it spaces the floor a little bit better for Golden State and it allows for some of those back cuts. And with Draymond having the ball in his hands and Wiggins slashing, that just opens a lot of things up. I mean, you saw a lot of those interior cuts. Uh, just result in easy baskets for the Warriors. So it's going to be really, really difficult for Boston to stop that. Um, 
I don't think Golden State wants to see Game 7, even though it would be them playing at home. Uh, I think they know that Boston's a dangerous team, and when they get hot, they're tough to deal with. So I think them kind of looking into uh, ending this game on the road, like not having a cushion with Game 7, is probably going to be in their best interest. Um, And so in talking about this on social media and stuff, I ended up in a conversation with someone yesterday about uh, Steph Curry and his defensive value, right? And so this person said that uh, Boston is shooting 40% with Steph Curry as the primary defender. And so I just took that at face value. And then, you know, we had a conversation. And at the end of this conversation, I said, so where is this data coming from? And he pointed me towards somebody who supposedly posted this on their social media. So I looked through all the way back till before game three, didn't find it. So if you're using a two game sample as like, well, this is what the collective uh, shooting percentage is with Steph Curry as the primary defender, doesn't include the whole series. And in game three, Boston was 10 of 14 shooting with Steph as the primary defender. So I don't know where that 40% number came from, but I'm just gonna honor that for now. And just say that Boston as a team is only shooting 43%. So they're really not shooting a ton worse, even if you're gonna give Steph credit for that. Um, But I would say that Steph's primary opposite number, Marcus Smart is actually shooting 44%. So it's it's tough to say like what his effectiveness is in terms of uh, contested baskets. But it's, it's easy to see that Boston as a team is not shooting well on the whole. Um, and Tatum in particular, shooting 37% is just, it's not going to get it done. You know, that's a big part of the reason that they're down in this series because uh, his shot selection is poor. Credit to Golden State's defense, credit to Steph Curry's defense. Uh, but Tatum needs to be going to the rack way more. Like when Jalen Brown gets the ball, like he's either going to shoot that three or he's going to put the ball on the ground and try to get to the paint. And side note somebody get this guy some freaking shoes with some tread on him like he's falling down every time he gets to the paint whatever shoe sponsor he has you should be ashamed don't buy those shoes he's on the ground half the time when he when his uh, momentum gets disrupted in the paint uh the other half of the time like he'll throw a spin move out there he'll find a little fall away from the elbow and he's pretty good at that shot to be fair so he still scores and he's still been very effective for them he's averaging 21.4 a game and his shooting percentage of 40.9 is better than tatum's but uh he's an unreliable three-point shooter shooting 30 percent and he doesn't distribute the wall the ball nearly as well as tatum so while he can score and while he can be effective, when Tatum's not on the floor, they really lack a distributor. Like Marcus Smart, who's their point guard, is barely breaking four assists a game, right? Because he's not a traditional point guard. Uh, he'll knock down an open shot here and there. He can score, play defense, all that. Um, but you almost need to have Jason Tatum play point guard for this team. So him just gobbling up volume in terms of shot attempts has shown to be a detriment to this team uh whereas the games where he actually has been the best distributor he's had 
more success. Uh, it, it allows him to, like, at least if he's having a bad shooting game, like, he's still doing everything else well. You know, I think in game five he had ten boards, but only four assists. And look what happened. 27 points, 10 rebounds. Yeah, that's great, but your four assists didn't allow anybody else to really get going either. Jalen Brown was 5 of 18 in that game. Smart was 7 of 14. Uh, and Horford and Williams are two bigs who need to get way more involved offensively. They only combined for 11 total shots, but they made seven of them. So when Boston is getting their bigs the ball, these guys can make shots, and they need to get them involved uh, more offensively instead of relying on uh, these perimeter shots because they've had the entire series to realize that like that's not their moneymaker, yet they invest a ton in it. And I think game four was probably, sorry, the game five was the most telling where they, they just kept shooting threes. They're like, we're going to live or die by this because we don't really have an answer. And Boston's just kind of become predictable on offense. Like, you know what they're going to do. And Golden State knows what they're going to do more importantly. So they got to find a way around that. I would maybe even want to play uh, Derek White a little bit more. Maybe him... Uh, if you want to go with a small lineup, go with him, um, Peyton Pritchett, who is a good, solid point guard. Like, for not really having a lot of minutes, he plays well, can knock down an open shot, good ball handler, and he's a traditional point guard. So, I mean, he's only playing 11 minutes a game, but he's still averaging at least an assist, a couple of rebounds. Uh, he's just, like, he's outmatched out there defensively because he's so small, but in terms of like actually running the offense like he may be a, a stopgap measure in order to give them some help there um and so i don't know those are some things boston can do to help uh change things up they're gonna have to obviously <coughs> excuse me put up the the defensive effort first and just like show each other as a team that like look we're gonna go out fighting we're gonna play as hard as we can you know force the refs to have to make uh tough defensive calls and force the warriors to pay for you know their proclivity to turn the ball over as well so rewinding a little bit to um talking about kind of my social media interaction so after game four the media narrative and the public narrative surrounding draymond green's performance was that uh he's god awful he is a liability he sucks he is shook i think jalen uh jalen rose yeah i think it was jalen who's like he looks shook out there maybe it's will Vaughn, one of those guys but um that was the narrative surrounding draymond green in that game and you know, before that game, I had said, give Draymond the ball more on offense. Let him be your best passer. He, he's in the top 10 all time in uh, assists in the finals. So, uh, sorry, in finals history. Um, he's clearly the team's best passer. So why not give him the ball and let him pass a little bit more? And they did that and they won. And then they did that again in game five. Sorry, I don't know where that came from, but they did that again in game five. And it worked again. Um, but in game four, Draymond had, uh, nine rebounds, eight assists to lead all players in that game and four steals tied for the lead amongst all players with Marcus Smart, who's defensive player of the year. 
he only had two points and I think he was like one of seven or something shooting. And so it's like, yeah, he was not putting the ball through the basket, uh, but he only picked up a couple fouls. He was forcing uh, Jalen Brown to work a lot down the stretch in that game. And Jalen Brown is a good player. He is, you know, depending on how you feel, he's arguably their best player, but uh, I think Tatum has the potential to be their best player. And I'm trying to look at the shooting percentage from game four, but I cannot find it for some reason. Um, they won't let me go back far enough just off the top of my head. But anyway, Jalen Brown did not have a particularly good shooting night. His primary defender is Draymond Green, and he was 9 of 19, um, but only had six rebounds and picked up five fouls. Uh, he did have 21 points, so it's like, yeah, he played well, but when you look at the kind of shots that he made, like Draymond played good defense on him. So I'm looking at a guy who had nine boards, eight assists, four steals, uh, played good defense. That's not a bad game. That's a very solid professional NBA game. Yes, he only scored two points. And I think he looked uncomfortable. Like he's, his confidence obviously wasn't there. Uh, with his shot but he still does everything else so this idea that like he was a liability for them uh, is kind of weird and then comparatively if you then stop and take a look at uh, how he performed in game five versus the the general narrative for that game it's uh, kind of stunning to be honest um, Draymond uh, had eight points and uh, seven rebounds, six assists, a steal, and then he fouled out. So he's not even in the game at the end. Um, but yet the consensus was just crickets. Nobody had anything to say about Draymond. But after game four, he was the talking point. Whereas you just line up the games next to each other and what he brought to the games, like... First of all, like they're mostly pretty comparable, but if you had to look at like what he's contributing more in each game, I'll take the rebounds, the assists, and the steals combined over a six extra points. Like Golden State can get those six extra points elsewhere. That's two threes from a team that shoots a ton of threes. So the difference between him having eight points and two points is not nearly as big of a difference as him having, you know, nine boards, uh, eight assists and four steals like all that combined is worth well more than the six points that Draymond scored plus he fouled out so the idea that he somehow like had a significantly better game in game five people were like oh Draymond's playing way better and it's like no he just scored a couple buckets early to like keep the defense honest and then he just had a, a Draymond type of a game and I mean, Wiggins is the one dominating it, uh, all the rebounding right now. So it is what it is. Uh, and Curry had a much better passing game because his shooting wasn't there. And because Draymond fouled out. But if Draymond doesn't foul out, there's a good chance he leads them in assists again. So, yeah, that idea that Draymond uh, isn't good uh, or is hurting their team is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, he's got the sixth highest defensive rating among active players. He's on the all defense team again this season. Uh, yeah, you'd like him to score 10 points and like keep the defense honest a little bit, but this is why I said heading into 
the game four adjustments is that put the ball in his hand because he's much more of a threat off of the dribble than he is as a spot up shooter. So similar to what Boston is kind of struggling with Horford, like when you just stick him in the corner as a shooter, like, yeah, he can potentially make that shot, but that's not his game. And Draymond is a much better uh, ball handler than Horford and he's faster too. So you saw it like he's got that little kind of Statue of Liberty fake handoff uh, dunk. Draymond's the only guy on Golden State that'll really grab the rebound, then go coast to coast and, uh, you know, run the whole floor. So he's the spark plug for them. Like Wiggins is the, the workhorse. Draymond's kind of the defensive spark plug. And then, you know, Steph's the finisher. So let's just put all this Draymond Green nonsense to bed. He played perfectly fine in game four. He he played comparable in game five. Uh, and him touching the ball has been significantly better for Golden State as they won the last two games. So, you know, the proof is in the pudding, as I like to say, as is a cliche. But, you know, I like it for some reason. I don't even eat pudding, but I still like that saying a lot. Anyway, um, I think that's basically it. Uh, I don't know what Golden State uh, wants to do adjustments-wise. Uh, I never know if Iguodala is going to play or not, but uh, GP2 has been holding it down defensively. He's knocked down some open threes as well. Uh, I think he's gotten really good value out of his minutes, to be honest. If you look at, I think, is this game five? Yeah. In game five, he played 26 minutes with six of eight, uh, had five boards, three steals, Um those are good quality minutes and he can defend four positions on the court he can defend brown smart uh tatum horford he'll struggle with but he's strong so he can at least deal with positionally you know limiting that um but yeah i think he's probably their second best defender on the floor uh all around behind green that's another thing so in this conversation sorry before i get out of here this conversation was about um Wiggins being Golden State's best defender and he's their most improved defender for sure uh he's their best perimeter defender probably also for sure he's the best athlete on the team I would say at least from what I've seen um so it gives him the ability to be the best defender uh he's done a great job on Tatum he's done a great job on Brown I'm not taking anything away from that um but his job is significantly different than say Peyton or Green specifically. Uh, Draymond's guarding more than one position. Uh, he's also having to call the plays defensively. He's like the middle linebacker for the defense. So he's the guy calling the rotations, the switches. He's the communicator. So that's a lot of responsibility. Um, and then Peyton, like I said, can guard multiple positions on the floor. It's not that Wiggins can't. It's just that what Golden State is asking him to do is basically be a good athlete, stick with the guy in front of you, and contest the shots, right? That's all they're asking them to do. Uh, they're not really asking him to get into, like, uh, rotational switches. Uh, he definitely is not the play caller out there. Um, so this is why I say that Draymond Green is actually their best defender because he's a good individual defender and he's a very good team defender as well. And it's kind of why Golden State has been as good of a defensive team as they've been. And some of this, you know, 
some of this is improved defense from Steph Curry. And I will say that he has had his best defensive season in probably five years. Uh, it looks like him getting in the weight room and dedicating himself to a little bit more defense uh, has been good for him. Uh, in this series, like he's still going to lose to Brown and Tatum one-on-one -on -one more often than not. But one thing I don't give Steph enough credit for defensively is he doesn't flop. And that's huge. Because uh, that just means he plays hard. He's not looking to get a whistle uh, for a charge, you know. Um, he's got good hands. He's smart. He's played good defense in this series. Uh, but I still would rank him as probably like fourth, maybe. Like when Clay was healthy, Clay was a better defender. But right now, he's just, he's not himself. Uh, he can still be effective in moments. But anyway. I think that's all I got. Uh, it was kind of fun doing a solo show. I didn't work off a script or anything like that. Um, so that's why I'm kind of searching here and there. I got my computer open. I need a quieter mouse because it clicks a lot. So I feel scared because you can hear it clickety clacking away. Um, game six should be interesting. <sighs> I don't. I don't have a dog in this fight. I just, I like that the Warriors are an older team and still competitive uh, by playing just good basketball, working hard. Um, I like Boston because they're tenacious, because they don't quit. Uh, they got some players that I like over there. They got a, they have a solid future, whether or not they uh, win this finals. They're, they're going to be the team to beat in the East now. Um, and they, you know, they, they might just win it this year anyway, so we'll see what happens. But as of right now, I think Golden State has uh, the, the deck isn't stacked in their favor, but they've got the upper hand right now. And it's on Boston to try and figure that out uh, and come up with an answer, because when Golden State is playing like they're playing now, I mean, it's like the opposite of what happened in game one, where Tatum had a bad game uh, in terms of putting the ball through the hoop but still had a bunch of assists and they kind of, you know, roared back in the fourth quarter and then cruised to victory by 12 after being down by 12, I think. Uh, that's kind of the opposite of game five where Curry didn't really have a particularly good shooting game. I mean, it was bad. It was seven to 22. So yeah, bad shooting game, but eight assists, uh, still had 16 points, still contributed four rebounds. So if Golden State can beat you in a game like that, that's tough. I thought it was, you know, I thought it boded well for Boston, the kind of game that they won in game one, where Tatum uh, had a similar uh, output game with low points, high assists, and they won that game. Um, and now that Golden State is kind of in that rhythm, it's just it's going to be hard to get them out of it because they can do all those things as a team that Boston just maybe isn't experienced enough for yet. And was it last year's finals? I think the Suns went up 2 nothing, and then uh, it was Milwaukee tied it at 2. And I was on uh, the Vangerville show, and they were talking about um, who is going to win the finals now. And I was like, well, probably now it's going to be Milwaukee because they're the more experienced team. They've been working towards this for longer. Um, and so I think experience goes a long way, especially in situations like this. Um, because Golden State, for the most part, knows how to value possessions. They do throw some bad ones out there every now and then. Like, for example, Jordan Poole taking an early shot clock three, I think is a terrible idea every single time. 
the, the one he hit at the end of the third quarter, it's like, hey, he's throwing up a miracle there. Clock's winding down. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but if he's just going to run up with like 20 seconds on the shot clock and just shoot a long distance three, like that's just bad offense for them. Like they're they're better than that and they can get better looks than that. So uh, it's going to be tough on Boston. And while I don't necessarily like I'm not cheering for Golden State in the conventional sense, we got Father's Day plans on Sunday. And if Boston wins and this goes to game seven, it's going to be Sunday night and it's going to mess with my plans. Um, truth be told, I would rather watch Game 7 than Jurassic World, but, you know, I want to be able to spend the day doing what we had planned for Father's Day with my family, and so for that reason, I will be pulling for Golden State. Nothing against Boston whatsoever. A lot of guys I like on this Boston team. Uh, great coach, good defense, hard workers, happy for Al Horford to get to the finals, uh, really absolutely nothing against Boston. But I'm selfish in terms of wanting this series to be over uh, so I can then, I guess, watch the Stanley Cup Finals while I still wait for football season. Um, I guess that's it, everybody. Um, I like this new music. I got to say that one more time. Uh, just got it today. So... You're hearing it first here. There's still a few hours until this finals game kicks off. We're at about 40-ish minutes right now, so it's not a long episode, and there's plenty of time to dig into it uh, if you really want to before the finals start. Uh, If not, we'll see how accurate or not I was because I was pretty good with the adjustment threads on games three and four. I pretty much nailed down everything that either team had to do uh, to win, and... I was writing both of those, so we'll see. We will see indeed. But I'm not betting on it, so it's not like I even get anything if I'm right. And if I'm wrong, I still have to eat shit. So enjoy the game, everybody. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. And maybe I'll do some more of these. I don't know. I got another idea for another one. But we'll hold off on that until after this series is over. All right, everybody. Take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Shice Podcast. It is an extension of theshice.com. You can find me at Nick Shiesty or at Shice Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and go Warriors! Go Warriors!